We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys already know where to follow me at. I'm verifying all that good stuff. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, we got a special guest uh, with us on the program. We haven't had him on in a while, but I'm really excited to have him back. Uh, we have the homie Sam Gold on the line sam what up man nice to see you yeah you too man great to, great great to be back on um uh, if you guys uh for all our new listeners on the show um sam was a previously a contributor for us at the athletic doing great 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 film study stuff man he's still doing it on, on his youtube channel sam what's the youtube channel shout that out real fast samuel gold nfl if you just type that into anywhere in the youtube i'm sure it'll find me Oh man, it is it is great work. Uh, yes. I, I nerd out uh, on it. I fell in a rabbit hole on it in the middle of the night a couple weeks ago, and that is how I remember. I was like, man, we got to get Sam on the show. So I don't know if you knew that, Sam, but yeah, I fell into a deep YouTube rabbit hole uh, before we got you on. Well, uh, first, congrats, man! You just got your master's from uh, UT Austin, man. Like, yeah. get a little applause in here, man. That is dope. Congrats, <laughs> it feels sir. Good to be done, man. I got all summer to just watch football, chill out. Enjoy the Texas weather, and I'm I'm here for it. Nice man. What what made you want to go and get your master's? Uh, for me, it's a career change. Uh, I was in oil and gas before, and so now I'm trying to get back into the. T I'm trying to get into the tech side. So I got a job here in Austin, all in tech, and I'm happy to. Ha I'm happy to be out of oil and gas, basically. Nice man. That, that's what's up, man. Uh, appreciate. Uh, glad we got to shout that out on the show. Let's let's dive into some football, man. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. I know you've probably been busy getting your master's and stuff, but there's been a lot of talk about the Seahawks this offseason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How much of that uh, you caught? I want to start with a blanket question, though. Let's say your your new job out of UT Austin is I make you the offensive coordinator of the Seahawks. Congratulations. <laughs> it pays well. Sure. Uh, How would you best design an offense around Russell Wilson? Oh, man, great question. Uh, you got to start with the offensive line, which is uh, something we don't really do. Uh, I, yeah, I would say you got to. For me, it's you have to start there. Um, I'm going to run a lot of play action. I'm going to run a lot of bootlegs. Um, for me, it comes down to mixing the rush 
his rushing ability and threat of rushing ability with the pass game. So a ton of run pass options. Um, I would do a ton of play action rollouts. Um, basically anything to get him on the move kind of outside the pocket. And, and then on top of that, um, you have to be able to do some of the deep pocket drop work uh, just because he's good at it. Um, but you have to have time. You have to be able to, you have to be able to protect him. You have to allow him to step up. So you have to shore up the inside of the offensive line. Um, I liked what they did with Gabe Jackson, for instance. I think that's going to help out a lot. Uh, kind of that would be the start of what I would do. And then I would also mix in a little bit of the quick game, um, more of the over the middle stuff with tight ends and uh, slants and stuff like that. Uh, I think he sees those all right. Uh, the question is, can you see the other stuff? And I, I have my doubts, but, you know, here we are. Well, that's actually a good, uh, good uh, response. If you're Russell Wilson, it's like, hey, get him in a lot. There you go. That's, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what, what every every quarterback wants. We'll see if Shane Waldron, their new OC, um, mixes all that in. Uh, but in t- you did a great film study on him. You did two-part, uh, pretty much, um, mm-hmm. on Shane Waldron. How much of what the Rams do can he bring to Seattle? See, I I think we're going to see a lot of similarities. And I've been reading around, you know, um, you know, like Maddie, I've, uh, Maddie Brown, I've been reading around with all these other writers, and I feel like a lot of them kind of have their doubts on how much he'll actually bring uh, to the Seahawks. But I, I actually think there's a there's a direct reason why he was chosen. Uh, for me, it comes down to uh, how much he's going to pl- pair the play action passing game to the outside zone stretch game. I feel like that's going to become a fundamental part of this offense. Uh, last year, for instance, the Rams actually kind of stepped away a little bit from the outside zone stretch game. They actually ran a lot more gap. And that's just basically because the running backs, Cam Akers, for example, he's a really good gap running back. Whereas Todd Gurley, they ran like 98% of the runs were zone. Last mm-hmm. year it was like only 60%. So you can tell that they, as a scheme, adapted to the running back. And for me, I look at Chris Carson, I, and I, I think he's a pretty good zone running back. And then he could also hit on on the gap plays like duo, like I described in the video. Um, I see I see a lot of similarities. I see a lot of the jet sweeps. I see a lot of the flies. I see a lot of the the sifting tight end that goes across the block to the opposite side. Um, I see I see the outside zone stretch game out of single back becoming a fundamental part of the game. Uh, and then also I I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping they run run pass options. And that's something that they didn't really do a ton of last year. Um, under Shane Waldron, they actually ran not 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 as many as I expected to see. But also, but but may, maybe it's maybe it's one of those things where they saw Jared Goff and they're like, I don't want to run with him, but maybe with Russell Wilson, they will. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that any offensive coordinator sees a lot of things and be like, ah, it's Jared Goff. Let's not yeah, do it. Yeah, it's Jared Goff. <laughs> that was <something laughs> as simple as as possible. Uh, what are some specific ways that Shane can maybe make up for where areas where shoddy was lacking specifically yeah it's a great great question uh for me it came down to the predictability of play calling uh what happened last year at least from my perspective was that as we got down the stretch uh we saw a lot of the same formation and same play styles and the same lineups on pretty much 30 to 40 percent of the plays it was shotgun three by one sets uh where he had maybe dk Metcalf on the outside he ran um you know his the classic four routes, the slant, the fade, uh, the hitch, um, and maybe like a bubble screen on the outside. Uh, whereas you then you then had on the other three by one side, you saw a lot more crossing routes. You saw some drive concepts where basically you have two receivers going across the middle, um, and it became pretty predictable once you saw them align in those formations. And what bothered me was that when teams saw those, 
they just played cover six. They played a ton of cover six. They started playing more cover two with the two high safety looks and they could shut that down because basically they can say, all right, if we can double DK, we take away the threat of a deep ball on that side. And then all we have to do is play a linebacker on the inside of Tyler and then a safety over top. And that makes that throw even harder because Russell Wilson started holding back on those throws and hesitating on those. And who else are you going to throw it to at that point? You know, is, is it David Moore? Is it Freddie Swain? You know, like who who is the other threat that other teams have? Who's that third guy that they can look for, especially in a, in a predictable stall offense like that? I think what we'll see from Shane Waldron is we're going to see a lot more single back. We're going to see a lot more tight alignments. We're going to see a lot of the stuff that Kyle Shanahan and, and Sean McVay, they they tore the Seahawks apart for the last, what, three, five years, respectively, or how many years they've been coaching. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it from them. And, and I think that's pretty clutch because I think that alone will create those openings. They'll create those one-on-one opportunities. It's going to it's gonna allow Tyler, it's going to allow DK to attack more of the linebackers and get those matchup advantages that we just didn't see under under Brian Schottenheimer throughout the year. Because he started, he he went back to his old reliables, the the shotgun three by one looks that worked at the beginning of the year because DK can win one on one, you know, and Tyler can win one on one, and he was hoping for those matchups. But once you take away those two guys, who else are you gonna throw it to? A tight end? Like our, our tight ends were horrible last year, and so it's it it was it was a it was just a big problem where he became too predictable, and I think Sean Mc I think Shane Waldron will fix that. You know, talking about cover six and cover four and two high looks, the Rams were not, they didn't only run a lot of that stuff. They were really good at it. And that's something yeah, you pointed okay. out in breaking down the wild card game. Like they had the best defensive lineman in the league. They had the best yeah. cover corner in the league. You know, it's cheating. Really, yeah. You know, it's a little <laughs> unfair. How Top much fair. do you think, uh, and this is something we talked about with Ben Baldwin, uh, shout out to Ben earlier in the offseason. How much do you think sequencing played in to the Seahawks downfall in the second half of the season and playing the best defense in the league three times in three months? I mean, yeah, it obviously impacted, and it's you, you're not going to be able to stop um, Aaron Donald with, <clears throat> you know, Ethan Posick. You're not going to be able to stop him with what one dude, and that's <laughs> as much as much as Ethan Posick was better this year. He, he's he's not beating Aaron Donald, and 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 he, and and even so, it's even their their average defensive line is just superior to what the Seahawks played out there last year, just because of injuries, because of all the all the moving parts, and 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 I agree with Ben that schedule definitely impacted it but at the same point and and and, at, and once you play a team enough times and, and at three times you can predict an offense because they're used to it the defense has that advantage now because how many more formations how many more uh play designs and and packages can you really put in whereas a defense your goal is just to be sound and so once you get once you see something you're a professional three times and you have so much talent on that defense that 100 impacts it so I think it's I think I agree with Ben in the level of the sequencing, but on top of that, they're they were very predictable, and he, and if I if I can see it, then other people can see it, and and that and that's yeah. and that's where it got to me was that if, if 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 I'm a simpleton in Texas that looks at this, and I can see it, then everyone else can. You know, Pete Carroll, uh, to my knowledge, was very very adamant about getting Chris Carson back. Like in terms of free agent priority, that was probably atop his list in terms of uh, how I understand the situation. You know, I asked you how you build an offense around Russell Wilson. How do you build a run game? How can Shane and Andy Dickerson build an adequate run game around Chris Carson's skill set? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it comes down to simplifying reads, making sure they're not they're not cloudy and 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 making sure that they're they're easy so that comes down to uh coaching the offensive line to make sure that 
Chris Carson can see those reads and, and make and make the easy cuts, um, which is something that uh, which is something that Shane Waldron did really well uh, with Cam. Cam isn't even the best zone running back. He's again, he's he's a gap guy. He's much better at gap, um, and his zone running plays were pretty solid too, just because the reads they created with their offensive line and and the the transition from first level blocks to second level blocks were were very effective. And if you can get down to that basics and, and that's what it takes for a zone stretch running team, if you can get down to that simplicity, the technique on the basics, you can do really well. Um so for me, if if I'm going to if I'm going to look at Chris Carson and I love Chris Carson, I think he's super underrated and that contract they got on got him on, it was so cheap that I was I was honestly I was shocked. Um, maybe it's the injuries, maybe the league's finally catching up to the idea that running backs may or may not matter. We don't really know. Um, I think, I think it's interesting because I think it comes down to fixing those reads, making it simpler for him, but also the sequencing of it. Um, the Seahawks run game last year was actually very, very similar to what the, what the Rams had last year in terms of the play calling. They ran a lot of similar plays, but the sequencing was never exactly right. It would be. Like you're gonna throw two deep passes, you're gonna run an outside stretch zone run, and it's it doesn't really play into the game. And and I and and I think this is where someone like me who studies more film versus someone like Ben, where you can't really see it in statistics in that level where where it doesn't correlate as well. And 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 there 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 is an argument that um, like for example, setting up the run doesn't help play action. It doesn't help set up the pass later on. And I think that's a very reasonable take. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I come down to is that there is flow with linebackers, especially when you when you're hitting zone stretch running running plays, and and I I think there is a level of truth there. Um, I just I just think that the effectiveness gets gets cloudy when it comes to the actual data points. I don't know if you can definitively say one way or the, one way or another, but I think that alone should also help. Even even if it's just a little bit, I think it'll help. Let's talk some. Well, I don't want to talk about the NFL draft per se because the Seahawks only had three picks, which is not a lot. Yeah. Their fewest picks ever. But I do want to talk about where did you see receiver ranking on their needs list? Was that something of high priority or something you thought they could have? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Hey, we need offense. The Seahawks need offensive line. Where did where did you stand with that? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was shocked. This is Wayne Eskridge. <laughs> I was straight up. I did not expect him to get called there, and I didn't expect them to take a third receiver with their uh, number number one pick or whatever whatever you want to call it, their second round pick um, in that draft. Um, with that being said, though, I get it. I get why they liked him. He's a very good fit for the offense. The rumor is the Rams really liked him too, and, mm-hmm. and they would probably do the same exact thing the Seahawks are going to use him for. And I guarantee Shane Waldron was like on the phone yelling for him and wanted, wanted <laughs> him just, just because his skill set lends perfectly to that new scheme. I mean, he's going to be running a lot of those sweet plays that we always see Robert Woods running. Um, he's going to be running a lot of those slants, a lot of those deep, a lot of those over routes that we see Cooper Cup and, and them running. Uh, I, I think if Dwayne fell into a different team other than like a Rams or a Seahawks in this type of scheme, I don't think he would do as well. I, th- I think this is a great place for him. He, I don't know if he's ever going to be a 1,000, 1,200-yard receiver. I don't know that. But I do know that I think he can be an amazing third receiver behind DK and Tyler. And, and, may, and maybe if maybe if Tyler in three years he's he's not with the Seahawks anymore, that then then Eskridge can then take over and, and take over that position. But in terms of pure skill set, um, he such he's such a good player with the ball in his hands. And, and he, he has the speed to go deep. Um I'm a little bit hesitant on his short area quickness in terms of um, how he drops his hips to turn. I felt like there was a little bit of stiffness there. And when you look at like hitch routes, when you look at dig routes and stuff like that. Um, however, uh, I think the way the scheme is structured with the over routes and, and, and how, and, and, and their, in their terms, they actually call it uh dragon dragons, a very popular um, it's a, called the dragon route where it kind of looks like where it goes up like this comes across the linebackers and then keeps going up like that. Mm-hmm. That's a very common play in um, like a Shane, like a, a Shanahan or a McVay offense or a common route design. And, and so I can see that kind of stair-stepping work really well for him because he can find space. He can do all that. Uh, uh, to answer your original question, I don't, I was not expecting it. I didn't <laughs> want it. Uh, I, I thought I saw Creed Humphrey right there and I wanted Creed Humphrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I said in my video and people got angry at me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, I thought they could have been all there, but. It's it, to me, it's a luxury, but at the at the end of the day, I'm just happy they took offense. No, I hear you on that. What stood out immediately on the film with Eskridge? Was it his speed? What what was like? Damn, this dude, like you said, he's gonna be a really good fit with the Seahawks. I don't see him fitting anywhere else in this league. Yak yak ability, hundred percent. It's he's gonna be fun. He's gonna be a lot of fun when you when you hit him on a screen and he has a little bit of space. He's got this little twitchy move right up right up the front of his uh, of his steps against press, which is gonna be a lot of fun. I think he can win press against press coverage pretty early in his career, and that's something you can't say for a lot of a lot of receivers. What happens with a lot of these teams is that you're playing a lot of those Big 12 offenses or Big 10 offenses that are mainly zone dominant, and, and they learn how to find space between zones. They learn how to release, to bend those stems, to find to find space, but not a lot of them play man against man coverage. Um, for some reason, Eskridge is really good against man coverage, and and he's got this little like step back kind of swipe like move, and and you could see that when he when he did his one on ones at the Senior Bowl. He had a really good one where um, he did a clean swipe at a guy, guy's arm. He fell to the ground. And he was wide open. And, and I know we're going to say senior bowl is a one-on-one, whatever. But that stuff translates. And, and I yeah. guarantee you that, you know, John Schneider, I, I guarantee Shane Waldron, I guarantee they saw that and were like, okay, so if he has press beating ability, 
that means that we don't have to protect him nearly as much as the other players. We can protect Tyler Lockett, for instance, who's all, who also can do similar things, but we can protect him, give him better free releases, allow Eskridge and Metcalf to, to play either flanker and X, allow Tyler Lockett to get in the slot and protect him a little bit, give him more of those, give him more of those releases to get the ball in his hands. Um, and, and, and then on top of that, you, you add someone like Eskridge with the skill set of the act, with the skill set of basic, with the skill set of having that speed to be able to outrace people underneath. And I, I, I think you get a very well-balanced offense on the low, medium, and, and high levels of the field. DK going high, Lockett finding somewhere in the middle, and then Eskridge somewhere underneath and not on those like short slant routes or over routes and stuff like that and drags. Sounds like the Seahawks found their Golden Tate part two, I guess, because Golden I'm Tate moving. is is really he's Mr. Yak, isn't he? Yeah, he's the Yak King. Yeah, Yak yeah. King. Oh, yeah. So now that you've mentioned yeah. that what Dwayne's going to bring to the Seahawks offense, and you said immediately, Yak. I'm yeah. sure Seahawks fans are like, yay, yeah. because that's yeah. that's oh, something yeah. that's been desperately needed with the Seahawks wide receiving unit. But I do want to get to the running game because at the end of the sure. season, Pete made it clear that we're going back to it and we're going to do it more effectively. We're going to do it better. And in the long run, these are the set out goals based on the improvements with the offensive line and the weapons outside with Eskridge. Now with folk coming into this action, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Is this team going to be the best rushing attack? Sort of what we saw from a 2018 with they led the league in rushing yards. I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think they will be better than last year. I'll say that. I think they will be better than last year. Um, I'm hoping they can return to that. Uh, I'm hoping they can return to that. Uh, I think, I think objectively having a better run game helps the team. I think, I think we can all agree on that. No matter how much you think about running the ball and stuff like that. Um, I actually really actually for as much as the crap that I gave Brian Schottenheimer for as much as the crap other people gave him, I thought his general philosophy of, of actually using the pass game a large portion of the time to help the run game, I mm -hmm. thought that was actually very beneficial to the team. And I thought Russell Wilson can do a lot with that. Uh, again, and, and I, I, I think with I, my, my one concern is that they're going to contain Russell. They're going to, they're going to stop him from, from allowing him to be creative and allow him to kind of take over in that aspect. Um, that's my one concern about kind of, becoming that run dominant team again and and having that be the focus of just running the ball a bunch of times and throwing up the sidelines and that's something that i i really don't want to see but with that being said i don't think we'll see it because i think i think shane's going to add a level of complexity to this offense and all those over routes a lot of those drive routes i i think it's gonna be fun i, I i'm cautiously optimistic for this year just because i think this offense really fits what russell wilson can do well, I don't know. Now I'm kind of scared to ask this because you kind of hinted that. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Go are for you it. Con are you convinced though that with running the ball effectively, running it more as Pete wants to, that this team, if they do bottle up Russ and don't allow him to throw it as much, because we saw in the Super Bowl what happened, they were throwing the rock around. And of course, when you have a big lead, you mm -hmm. want to chew clock and you want to run the football. Sure. Is this formula that Pete's going to institute, going back to his old ways, mm -hmm. is this going to allow this team to go further in the postseason and perhaps get to the Super Bowl? It's a good question. I th I think the answer, I think the answer is that we've seen it work before. Okay. Uh, we've seen it work in the past for other teams. Um, is this the new motto of the future? The, is, is this like the, the futuristic model that we all really want? It's definitely not. <laughs> However, we've seen 
Sean McVay's offense go to the Super Bowl. He lost, but we saw him go there because he didn't adapt. We saw Kyle Shanahan go to the Super Bowl. He lost because of Patrick Mahomes. But again, we've seen them go. That's I true. think, and, and and like sure they have well, much better defenses. So let's we don't need, we, we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> but I think I think the key point is that it's not to me it's not this one philosophy or another that will stop them from winning the Super Bowl. I think I think for me it comes down to just them clicking at the right time. Um, the Super Bowl is a crapshoot, right? Like you have you have to win a, a lot of one shot opportunities. <clears throat> it's like the game theory of it. You just have, you have to be lucky and hit, even if it's. 50% here, 50% here, 50% in the next one. You got to be lucky. It's a run. I, I think they have the cards to do it. If everyone remains healthy, if they click as well as what I think they should be able to do, I think they can do it. The, the, the question comes down is, can the defense make up for the offense after what happened, you know, and all the rest, you know? <laughs> yeah. So something I'm thinking about now with offense, as I hear you kind of break it down and think about some of the stuff you broken down on the YouTube channel, is there a significant difference in offensive philosophy when you're someone like Pete wanting to use the run to set up the pass or you're someone like Shadi using the pass to kind of set up the run like are, how how different are those in terms of philosophy yeah man it's it's hard to say cuz at the at the end of the day i think a good a good run balance is like a good pass to run ratio is not 50-50 it's to me it's never been 50-50 to me it's it's 60-40 or 60 pass 40 run or 65 pass, 35 run, you know, something like that. Um, it's a good question on on running to set the pass or passing to set the run, because you can do both, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think in terms of sequencing, in terms of running plays, uh, I think you can do both. And and the one thing that the one thing that always impressed me about the the McVay and the Shanahan offensive scheme in that, and that is that what they do pairs together to make it look like something else. And and what they'll do is, for example, is that their gap duo run plays that they that they run probably twenty percent of the time. Last year is closer to forty percent for the Rams. Uh, they have an entire blocking scheme and play action passing game based on that run. So that means that for each of their runs, mid zone and outside zone and uh, and, and duo, for example, that that that's the bulk of their their main runs. They have the corresponding play action passing game and blocking to contribute there. And to me, it comes down to striking that balance in order to create plays. And, and that may be my like theoretical high-level overtake of this, and that's like the duh obvious statement of the year. But I think I think there is some truth to that where balance is crucial, but also you can't be reliant and stubborn on your old ways, which what we've seen in the past for Pete. Um, and, 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 we, and we need to we need to adapt early, take take a take a, a steady lead early and 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 then run it down, and I'll be happy with that. You know, we have Mike Sando. Um, shout out to Mike. He had him on earlier in this offseason as well. And something they talked about Shane could possibly bring is the use of uh, quarterback under center. And uh, something yeah. we see with Jared Goff a lot. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't now I'm forgetting what the percentages was that Mike gave us. But how do you think that could maybe help Russell not only as he set up the run game, but in the pass game too? If indeed Shane does have him under center more. Yeah, I think he will have him center under center more. Um, you're gonna see a lot more single back formations. They also used a good amount of pistol. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought pistol was that thing from like what like 2012 with RG3, <laughs> but I saw a lot more pistol than I was expecting when I looked at like Jared Goff and um that other quarterback that they have that I can't remember off the top of my head. John Walford, is it Walford? There you go. Wolford. Yeah. yeah. I saw Wolford. Is it Wolford or Walford? Wolford. Yeah, Wolford. Wolford? Does it got an Wolf L in it? Wolford Let's go with Wolf that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll go for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw more pistol than I was expecting. I was like, "All right, I guess we're going pistol now." Um, 
I think we're going to see a lot more under the under center plays, single back primarily. Um, and I think that feeds into the run game. And I think it feeds into setting up play action. Um, I'm not a fan of running single back standard drop back without the play action. I just don't see the point. Like straight up, like I'll like if if you're gonna run out of single back, you better fake the run every single time. I don't care if you're down by 30, you fake the run no matter what. <laughs> like, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It's not a waste of time. It, it's it should be ingrained in your memory that you're going to do it because there's no reason not to. And so something for me, I I think I think we will see more single back. I think that forms a bigger basis to their run game. And and if you're gonna run a lot more, you know, mid zone to the weak side, if you're gonna run a lot more outside zone stretch, it's just easier to run both of those plays at a single back. It's just simpler, easier. It's I just think it's easier to run the ball at a single back just because you can get the head start and you can actually get some some real movement. Shot, shotgun running is always weird to me because you just I just don't I think you're playing the numbers game more than you're playing the angles game. And 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 maybe that's my sim, simple in, analysis on that, but I just for me it comes down to um you use that to set up to to basically create the same looks that you're going to create for play action. And and again, we don't need to get into the Ben Ben Baldwin debate on that, but <laughs> that that's that's essentially what they're trying to do. Um, and I think from a film perspective, I I think I think it does show up a little bit. It's just hard to tell if it shows up in the grand scheme, right? Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball and this cornerback room. Man, they lose Shaquille Griffin, hmm. they lose Quentin Dunbar, they go out and draft a guy that is Mike's height, but he's a dog and he's going to go out there and compete in trade. And you have Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm. You have Ubo Almadi. I know, too many trays. <laughs> this cornerback room is stacked. And the competition is every, what's, what Pete's going to love to see. Everyone go out there and compete. Mm-hmm. We're going to fast forward. Week one, who are you putting out there as your starting cornerbacks? <laughs> Great question. Um, Man, I as of this exact moment, I think it's Akello, Akello Weatherspoon, and I feel like i'm butchering his name and you got it right that's right that's right and trey i think trey flowers i think that's your starting two okay and and then i think i think trey brown would come in i think i i I think he would also come in um i'm interested to see dj reed i'm interested i'm really intrigued by dj reed because he actually played really well last year Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes and maybe he will take over for that right cornerback spot over trey flowers and i I hope you saved yourself. I think you saved yourself because I think you want to put DJ in there. I wanted I want to put DJ in there, (laughs) but for some reason, I think, I think, I think they like Trey. I don't know. Maybe that's just my read on it. I think they like Trey, but I think DJ's better. (laughs) So I'm hoping I'm hoping DJ. Here's what I had. I had Akello on the outside. I don't care either side. I had DJ also on the outside. And then I had Trey on the slot. And then they can interchange with Trey Flowers. Because he's been there, he's done that. Yeah. Then you got Marquise Blair who's coming back, who potentially could be fighting for that nickel spot, and you still have Ugo. So that's yeah. how I had it, Mike. Oh man, I'm on the spot here. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't watch it. Actually, I do watch enough. My thing with Trey Flowers is I feel like they've given up on him a few times already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Quentin Dunbar uh, trade. I mean, and even now uh, going and getting Trey Brown, like it's very clear. Like we. We we we're done with this like Trey Flowers okay, thing. That's out. not even my personal feel. That's kind of like the when the but team the team makes investments in your position. That usually means they're ready to move mm-hmm. on from you. That's just simple math, right? So I, I would probably, but I'm also leery of putting two five nine guys on the outside. Yeah, 
Like, That's I, why I couldn't do it. <laughs> like, I like, uh, we had DJ Reed on the show too, man. DJ Reed, great interview. We have, make sure you guys go check that out with DJ Reed. Um, and I actually think, yeah, he was probably, him and Shaq, you look at their numbers from 2020, they're pretty comparable, right? Yeah. Like, and, and DJs are a little different just because he played every spot. So he had a pick in the slot. He had a pick at right corner, um, played left corner in a couple games that they won. So like, he played a little bit of everywhere. My issue with that ultimately is like, you look at, even if you look at Trey Brown's senior bowl tape, um, it's like a corner route that he's like blanket in the dude. I think it's Nico Collins and mm-hmm. he still catches it. Right. Cause he's bigger than DJ or than Trey. And you look at the touchdown, I think Dan Arnold from Arizona had in week 11 in the back of the end zone on Thursday night football. DJ's right there. Why does the tight end catch it? He's bigger than him. Right. Like eventually yeah. that comes into play. Like even if you're right there, if the dude just, you know, if it's Mike yeah. Evans, you know, or somebody <laughs> over you or who else they play this year, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, like they play some yeah. dudes like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I'm a I, was little hoping Dunbar. I was hoping Dunbar would be that guy that can play the taller dude. Man, he's never healthy, was he? No, no. no. Well, I think there was a couple things with Dunbar is that uh, he's mentioned some of this too. Got the arm robbery case, yeah. you know, which that'll mess Doesn't up help. anybody's head, right? You know, <laughs> that's just a lot to deal with. Uh, dealing with a gun case in Florida, um, so that messed him up. I think it messed up his conditioning as mm-hmm. well. He just wasn't wasn't right. And when you're you know when your conditioning is not right, you're susceptible um, to injury. Whether you come yeah. in overweight or underweight or whatever, right? You're just not how you physically need to be, didn't get any preseason games, was behind in the playbook. It was just a whole bunch of just issues. He was out there on a bad knee, and was they still put him out there on a bad <laughs> knee over Trey Flowers. That's another bad. example of something that like <laughs> yeah. makes me think their investment in him is not is done. And Trey, that is, Flowers. You're right, there's too many Trey's okay. uh, uh, on the team. Yeah, so like I'm with you. I like I like the idea at least having one big dude out there. So I'd probably have... Is that Akello then? Akello okay. on the left... Um, especially because how he played at the end of the year. Like mm-hmm. when I saw him live week 16, um, just kind of getting physical with DK. Yes. I was like, okay, that boom, right there. That is what we need from that guy. And then I probably I gotta have DJ out there uh on the right. He's just really good. I mean, if you watch the Washington game, mm-hmm. uh, I know it's against Dwayne Haskins and you know, he's not not great, but he made some plays <laughs> there that are just kind of just really instinctual plays yeah. that don't matter but about yeah. like the pick he had, right, where he no, like beautiful. he passes off and then yeah, he sees the I think it's a it's a cross coming and he just jumps it, yeah. picks it. Uh he had a play against Terry McLaurin on the goal line. Uh-huh. Terry, who's another dude who's bigger than him and made the yeah. play. So like, yeah, I like I like so I'd probably have a Kello, DJ on the outside, and then I'd probably go with Marquise Blair. Um, oh, we're different. I think, Mar- I think Marquise will play inside. I like more Yeah, That's what I'm saying in the slot. Yeah, yeah. Like he did week you, one you against Ugo's Atlanta. gonna play. Is, is Amadi is he gonna play at all? It's gonna be uh, tough, man. I, I th- he has the benefit of experience, which is important. Um, he's played a lot more snaps than Marquise played. He started and finished one game as a slot guy, like one, and he's been on the team for two years. Like oh that's <laughs> that's that's an issue. Um, but like the Atlanta game. I watched the Atlanta game against the the Seahawks and Falcons week one. I've watched it a ton for some reason. I don't know why. And then recently I was just watching your film study on Jamal. So I want to kind of get into him a little bit. Um, How much of do you think with Jamal is everything he did in that game, like projecting, is that enough to justify the trade? I feel like he did a little bit of everything in all three levels covering Julio getting tackled for loss, getting sacks. Like that was kind of like the, okay, this is why they traded for Jamal game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I definitely uh, <laughs> people have brought that video up after after all those uh, dropped interceptions and uh, yeah, incom- incomplete and <laughs> completed passes on him and that's yeah I definitely shot early on that one but uh, 
I th- I think if he played like that for the rest of the year and he was that consistent, then the answer is definitely yes. Like without a doubt, I would have I would have no problem saying that that trade was a hundred percent worth it. The problem was that it was it, he did not play that great right right throughout a large portion. Like he yeah he he broke the record in sacks. Great, like that's awesome for like a DB. That's great mm-hmm. or safety or whatever it is. And and so I think as of this moment, I'd rather have the picks. Um, but the the thing is that he is he clearly has shown the upside to be to make that trade worth it. He's got to play a lot better this year. If he plays really well this year, like you know, like an upper level or close to elite or elite player, then 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 I I think the trade will be relatively even. Um, but yeah, I mean, not having those picks definitely hurt. Um, and the fact that he didn't play the greatest throughout most of the season, I th- I think that hurt too. So, and it's it's hard for me it's hard for me to say it was worth it because like on paper and if you're playing Madden, yeah, it's worth it. But <laughs> like like what he did on the field, it's not as much worth it, you know. <laughs> the the Atlanta game, and I was there. I was in Atlanta for that game actually, because oh. we were still kind of figuring out how we were going to do travel for the year. And I was like, because I was a little skeptical too of the trade uh, when it mm. happened. I like, asked a lot for uh, a safety of any caliber. I mean, I because I'm old enough to remember when they couldn't get a first for Earl Thomas, right? Like, and yeah. he was still good. So I'm like, huh, give up two for someone who doesn't, you know, do pass coverage as well as someone like like Earl. Um, so, but so I was like, ah, okay, we'll see. Then we didn't get any preseason games. And then his first game, I, oh, he could do everything. I, I'm yeah. with you after, as you, uh, I'm probably saw, seeing the same stuff you saw in the film say, like, oh, okay, this guy can do a little bit of everything. But I've become basically the Jamal Adams apologist on this show, which I'm fine. I'm cool with, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing that because Jamal revealed later, I think it was in a Instagram live with someone that he hurt his elbow in yeah. that game and then was just kind of not the same. And he pulls his groin a couple weeks later against Dallas. Yeah. Gets his shoulder crushed by Gerald Everett. Um, breaks some fingers along the way. Like he had a bad. You're injured. You're injured a lot. Yeah. He had a bad. He had a bad season. So I'm kind of willing to, and I'm I'm curious if you are as well. Kind of give Jamal a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because basically he, what he's submitting to us is healthy me is the Falcons game, and yeah. if healthy Jamal is what we get like that week one. The rest of a 17 game season, I'm with you. I think that that trade is worth it. Yeah, especially for this defense and and the how multiple he is and how what how much his role can be so adapting. And that's something that the Seahawks just don't have a lot of. It's something that when he's healthy and he's playing on, you know, like he's firing on all cylinders and and he's and he can. I th- I think I think he's very underrated in coverage. When he's healthy, I think he's mm-hmm. very good as a pass rusher, even when he's not healthy. Like, I, right. I think he's good against the run, even when he's not healthy. Like, I, <laughs> I think he's still fine. It's yeah. just, I I think there's a level of physical um, hands and physical ability that you you lose when you have the elbow injury, when you have the finger injury. And it's, and, and he dropped a couple picks because you, how do you catch something when you have two, you know, your hands are broken? Or yeah, you broken fingers, right? Yeah, yeah. Hard, it's hard to catch. Um, and that sucks, but it's, he, he also missed. A lot of tackles too, and which was like that's just not him. He, according to PFF, he missed fourteen point nine percent of his tackles last year. Ooh. and and the season before with the Jets, uh, that number was five point four. Mm-hmm. Literally tripled the number of tackles he missed, and that's just not him. So I th- I think I think it's I agree with you. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> I've done that a lot and I've been burned a lot. 
Well, so, so actually, I, I didn't check the, the timestamp on it. When did you put the film study of Jamal out? Was it before they played the Patriots the next week or no? It was like like two days, three days after the Falcons game. And I was like, on, oh, I, was okay. like I was like, I was like through the moon. I was like, let's go. <laughs> well, that's yeah, because then the Falcons game on, on Sunday night or excuse me, the Patriots game on Sunday night. Cam yeah. and Julian Edelman turn into just Jay Rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's when, the com- that's when the comments started happening. Like, oh, great, great video, Sam. I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, the timing was... I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like, yeah, the timing was really bad because Quandre got hurt like nine plays into the Patriots game. Yeah. And they put in Delano Hill and Julian Edelman had like the best game of his regular season life. life. Yeah, yeah, like it, it was... It was a lot. So, like, hey, we're trying to get Jamal on the show, too. That's not why I'm the Jamal Adams apologist. I want to make that very clear. I do, I do think that, like, uh, one last thing on Jamal, like he talked about him missing tackles. A perfect example is in the game he gets his shoulder crushed mm-hmm. by Gerald Everett, another game I was at. Yeah. Um, he comes back in and you see him not be able to tackle Malcolm Brown, I think, on the goal line. Yeah. And it's just like it's the play he'll make if you're if your shoulder's falling off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's one of those. You're not, you're just, not gonna lean with your shoulder that's, that's, that's blown up. Right, exactly. Especially with Seahawk tackling, they take the head out and use their shoulders. Was like, coach, yeah. my shoulder's falling off. You know, then you, I mean, you can question whether he should be out there at that point. But again, yeah. that's if we're just assessing his performance, I, I get benefit of the doubt. Same thing with that deep ball he gave up to Cooper Cup in the wild card game. Yeah. Um, I think he makes the play on that with at least nine healthy fingers, at least yeah. nine. And nine plus. <laughs> yeah, and, and nine and a half, like nine yeah. and a half healthy <laughs> fingers and a healthy shoulder. That's just me. That's my Jamal apologist. That's my last thing on Jamal. No, you're good. I do want to go to DK Metcalf because the past two seasons, he's been pretty damn incredible and I've enjoyed watching him, but there are people out there that think he's still not a good route runner. Although he still needs to work on his hands, but that he needs to just go kick it with Larry Fitzgerald for a few weeks. (laughs) And (laughs) I think he'll be fine. But for those out there, the doubters that say he's still not a good route runner and he just does a few routes. What do you say to that, Sam? I think that's a, I think that's crap. I think, I think straight up, I don't, you can't, you can't put up almost 1400 yards, like including the wild card game and be a bad route runner. It's, Mm. it's not, it's not physically possible. Like you, there is, there is so much double coverage gone his way. There's so many times where he's, he has to win one-on-one has to go up for it. There's so many of those times where he has to make the play to keep this offense on the field. And he did. And that's something that he did so consistently throughout the first half of the season. And and then, and then you get the people that are like, Oh, what happened in the second half of the season? Cause everyone's a fantasy football fan. And they're like, Oh, he robbed (laughs) me of a playoffs or whatever. It's cause he's, cause he's doubled. Like it's it's exactly (laughs) what I said before. They doubled him literally for the second half of the season with cover six. And and when you're, when your play calling is crap, you're not doing anything. Mm. So it's, and the fact that he still even still got 40, 50, 60 yards in a lot of those games, that's a testament. That to me, to me, that that's a huge plus to his abilities. And I don't know. I, I think I think the main, the only thing that I will ever say negative about DK drops. That's the only thing I'm ever going to say about mm-hmm. DK is man, he's he he has to stop dropping it. And I think I think if he fixes that, I, I have no problem with what he does as route runner. Zero problems at all. I think what are you I, oh, go ahead. I think that I think one thing that uh, I think that one thing he can improve on in terms of route running is that his play style and, and he has improved on this is he pretends to be a sprinter and a speed guy as opposed to being a physically dominant player in terms of using his hands to create separation. I don't think he is 
as natural at that as what you would expect for a dude of his size. Mm. Like I expected him to use his hands to box out. I expected him to use his hands to do more swipe moves and to fight off. Like DeAndre um, Hopkins. Yeah. More that classic, that classic, um, you know, I'm going to like fight you in the street type of type, type of type of play style. That's not him. He's a, he's a, he's a sprinter. Yep. And, 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 and yeah, he's incredibly <laughs> fast as we saw when he actually did go sprinting, but it's, <laughs> To play in the NFL, you have to use that physical ability, more of it. And I th- I think he can still improve at that, which is crazy to me that I even have to say that because given his body style, like body size and what he can do with his hands, or what he should be able to do with his hands, this should be like a no, this should be a no-brainer. So I, I think I think once he mentally wraps his head around that fully, and I think we'll see more of that this year. I I think that's that'll be a plus one to any route running comment you'll ever get. What are you expecting from him in 2021? What you got? Give me a hot take. Something oh, crazy. <laughs> um, I got, I got, I got over 1,300 yards in the regular season, and and, pro- and probably another 10 touchdowns. That's a good year. It's another yeah. good year. I think, I, think it's be, I think it's gonna be a great year. I think, I think he's, I think it'll be a great year. Yeah, another guy. When you said the physicality part, I was thinking guys like Des Bryant. Um, yeah, Des like, was great at that. Yeah, Des was just like, I'm, I'm gonna kick your ass here on this, yeah. on this, on this particular uh, play. Like, I like, I like to see that too, and a lot yeah. more. Um, just going up and getting the it. Anquan Bolden way. The, yeah, Bolden. The that's a, Smith, probably a better example uh, is Anquan. Yeah, the cl- the classic fighters, not the sprinters. Yeah, and yeah, the, I think the, the Minnesota play where he catches the fourth down, not for the win, but to uh, extend the drive, I think is a really good illustration of where you can see some growth. Is that mm. he goes up and catches that ball, but he 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 goes up and still catches it with his chest. Yeah, like he hands. he kind of like cuffs it in his in his chest, like yeah. a bread basket type of catch. And it's like, well, hey man, if that dude, I think it's Dantzler, maybe is the corner on that play. Yeah. If he doesn't just forget how to play coverage, he probably goes up and breaks that up. Yeah. Uh, you got to catch it at, at at its highest point, but I mean, it's a little, it's kind of nitpicky, um, because like you said, like he can not do all that and still have thirteen hundred yards <laughs> exactly. uh, next year and still and still be uh, outstanding. Um, I'll, I'll pivot to one uh, one more receiver question real quick. Um, so we haven't talked about Tyler Lockett a ton. He's kind of been like not talked about at all this off season, but he did get an extension, um, yeah. pretty healthy one, locking him up um into his thirties uh, for sure. How do you view that Lockett extension, um? Also, in the context of drafting Dwayne, all in the same offseason. Yeah, uh, I loved it. Um, it was one of those moves that I was shocked it didn't happen sooner. Honestly, sooner the offseason, because from even from like a cap space standpoint, you know you're going to keep him. You know you can get a pretty like even if it's an expensive deal, it's still reasonable for what he offers and how much of the offense actually goes through him. Um, I think I really liked it because it also it opened up cap space, which is something that they obviously need during this offseason. Mm-hmm. So I expected it earlier, actually. Um, so when I saw it actually happen and what he got, I was I was very happy. I was very happy with it. Um, I hope he he was injured this year, if my recollection like yeah. he, he, he seemed like he was always dinged up this year. Uh, I don't know if you missed any games, but I like I remember him just being a little bit not 100 percent and he still had over a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. So it's he's one of those guys that like I will defend because he consistently does exactly what this offense needs and wants. Um, and even with Eskridge, um, I think that frees up Lockett actually. I think it frees him up to do more um to do more of those over routes. I think it frees him up to to do more um of the slot fades that he's been classically good at. I th- I, th- I think it opens him up and and will give him more one-on-one opportunities. And so even if Eskridge does take some of the targets, um, 
to me, it's it's always a positive because I think I think Lockett will break more plays, will break bigger plays, which is something that I I think I think we'll see more of this year. All right, I like that. Uh, Sam, we'll get you we'll get you out of here uh, on this man. Handicap the NFC West for us, the strongest division in football. Um, just a quick rundown of some of the additions here. The Cardinals added JJ Watt. Uh, who they, they added AJ Green. Probably about to add Julio. Oh, now. don't speak that into existence. They're going to be mad <laughs> yeah. at us. I was going to say they're going to they're going to add Julio. I know they're just trying to get the whole 2011 NFL draft, which is, I mean, I can't blame them. It's probably one of the best of all time. If you guys, go back and yeah. look at, just look at the first round of the draft. Don't Crazy. even include Richard Sherman. Just inc- just look at the first round. It's like probably like six Hall, Hall of, of Famers yeah. in the first round yeah. of that draft. It's it's pretty. It's pretty crazy, and yes, I'm including uh, Cam Newton in that. Although he probably won't make it, uh, mm-hmm. but so we got we got uh, that's Arizona's uh, additions there. Uh, we got the Rams obviously adding Matt Stafford, losing their defensive coordinator, which I think is more important than yeah than, than people people realize losing some DBs uh, as well. And the Niners probably making the biggest move in potentially switching quarterbacks uh, with Trey yeah, Lance, Jimmy everything. G, whatever the hell they're doing over there. Where do the Seahawks fit in all this? Give us kind of early, way too early kind of outlook on how the NFC West will shake up by January of 2022. <sighs> all right. Uh, it's 17 games, right? Mm-hmm. I always have to it's weird, that. man. It's, it's, I predicted like 12 and five and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I, I think, I think we're going to see some, some switcheroo happening. I think, I think, I think the Cardinals, Will be, I think, I think they're going to win seven games. I got them at seven games, somewhere around that. I think they'll be in last place. Okay. Damn. And, and this is based on no science. This is just my, based on my <laughs> crystal ball gazing. I think, I think they're overrated. <laughs> and I, I think they're overrated. Um, so I think I have them at seven wins. Um, I think we see Rams in second or sorry, Rams uh, in second to last or third place. Okay. Wow. I, th- okay. I think they won 10 games this year. I, I I think they win eight games this year. Mm. So I oh, think they'll wow. go eight nine. I think I think I think the defensive coordinator leaving is big. I mm-hmm. think Shane Waldron leaving is actually underratedly big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Annie Dickerson leaving is underrated big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I see them regressing. I think I think they'll go eight and nine. So I got Cardinals in fourth, seven wins. Rams eight wins in third place. I'm then gonna go Seahawks <laughs> in second oh, place. Okay. Um. I think I think I think they do. I think they do ten and seven, and it's okay. and it's not it's not because I think they're bad or they're a worse team or anything like that. I th- I think it just comes down to their schedule, and I and <laughs> oh. I and I think I think it comes down to just I think other teams will be uh, so much better this year, and they won't luck out a bunch of games like they did last year. I th- I think I think this the statistical games of them winning by less than seven points or whatever. I don't think they'll go in their favor as much. I've been doing I could that be wrong. I was wrong last years. year. <laughs> I got them at, I got them at 10 wins, maybe 11, but somewhere between 10 and 11. Um, and then I actually think, I think the 49ers are back. I think, I think they're going to win 11 or 12. Mm. And it's, I hate to say it, but I, I really liked what they did in the draft. I, I like Trey Lance a lot. I, and I, I hate, I hate that so much, but they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good. No, that's a good. I mean, the, no the, injuries too. The the thing about the Arizona is, uh, like, I think you say they're overrated. I think people are rating them high just because we know the names of the people on the team, yeah, and not necessarily like 
like what AJ Green do people think Arizona's getting? You know, that's yeah. like a legitimate question. I think you know, what JJ Watt do people think Arizona? It's all it's all randos on the team that are going to hold them back. I don't like all the guys we don't know about. I think that will be them. It's it's not the elite players. It's the other guys. And then uh, with with uh, with the Rams, I'm with you on the court losing the people in the the coaches. I think is a is a real big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much it will affect the wins and losses per se, but like yeah, it's hard to be high on Shane Waldron and not think he's a big loss. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the same thing with Brandon Staley, who was probably the best coordinator in the NFL on the other side of the ball mm-hmm. uh, in 2020. No, so I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know it's, what the Niners are doing with their quarterback yeah. situation. That's kind of where I can't pick them to win a division. But damn, Shanahan's just so damn smart. Right? Yeah, it's I just feel like he'll figure it out. The Rams have Matt Stafford now, and it's and it's that alone could be 12 wins. And I, I don't know, yeah. like, so it's it's uh. You know, obviously, it's crystal ball season right now, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, everyone's just 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 making projections. Man, just, just let you know, we recorded that. So, like, yeah. if it <laughs> the Cardinals win thirteen games, <laughs> along with no, like Jamal Adams transforms the Seahawks off defense. Yeah, it's gonna be no, great. I'm with you. We're we're together on the Jamal. Like, I, I'm with. I I think that's just gonna be such a such a strong strong move, man. You look. I was making this point to somebody else. Oh, I was on the radio last week. You look at the other teams in division, look at their best players and look at where they were drafted. Right. I think that's really important. They're like, look, we're like, go for real, go through the whole division where mm-hmm. their best players drafted. They're all first round picks yeah. for, for the most part. Like you look at the top three players on, you know, every team in the division. I think they're all first round picks like that matters. Right. And they're mm-hmm. high first round picks with the exception of D hop. Right. And who they traded mm-hmm. for. I think he was like pick 27. Yeah. Like you need yeah. high picks, generally speaking, to form a good roster and get like superstars. Like every mm-hmm. once in a while you'll hit like a Devontae Adams or a Bobby Wagner in the second yeah. round. But for the most part, you need you need to at least suck enough to get in the top 12. You have to be right? bad to get to get a good player. Yeah. You know, Aaron Donald was with the 13th pick, uh, I, I think. So you need yeah. to suck at some point to get up. It's for real. Like no. John Snyder made this point on the radio too. He's like, we haven't sucked to get up there. <laughs> That's why we've had to trade for guys who yeah. usually get taken up there. Whether I agree with the what they give up to get those guys, I do see where John's coming from. And it's like, yeah. look, we, we will never be bad enough to get Jamal Adams. What Mike Tomlin told Chase Young, he's like, I don't yeah. ever want to lose as many games to get you. Like, yeah. you're good, but I don't ever want to suck as much to get the second pick. And he's right. Pittsburgh doesn't suck that much either. They usually aren't yeah. picking down there. So I think that... Uh, which is which is why I, I find it really hard to blame them for trading for Jamal Adams because it's exactly you need, you need a blue chip player. You need you need an elite player on your defense and, and you just like just generally on the team and it, it impacts everybody else. It makes everybody else better, which is why I can't blame them because who, who are they going to pick anyways with that pick like a running back? Like, like <laughs> what are we going to do with that pick anyways? So it's, right. I don't like I don't necessarily blame them. And, and maybe that's a defeatist attitude, but it's I feel like. Jamal Adams is good enough that he's worth those picks. The question is, can he remain healthy to do it? And I, I think generally speaking, he is. Yeah, no, that's a good, like, even if they were going to trade back with the first round pick, whoever they take is probably not Jamal. Yeah. Maybe you hit on a fourth rounder who becomes like serviceable or something like you get a Will Disley in the fourth round or something like that, which is a good use good of a solid player. Pick. Exactly. Yeah, but it's it's not Jamal. It's yeah. just it's <laughs> there's levels to this. It's just not like we can get to the, we can get to the price point stuff and all that. But like like I said, we're gonna close it out on that, Sam. Man, we appreciate your insights, man. That's Samuel Gold. 
brilliant with the film study stuff man you can like be careful when you go click on sam's youtube channel because you need to have time on your hands and that's <laughs> all i'm saying else. like don't just like go on your lunch break i'm gonna just peep no man you're gonna end up watching like four videos next thing you know you're like watching a melvin ingram breakdown from like 2018 <laughs> so just like be Perfect. be careful but it's great great stuff man thank you sam so much for jumping on with us man. of course thank you for having me Oh, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Again, that's Samuel Gold. Please go check out his YouTube channel. Please go follow me at Mike Duger on Twitter. Go follow Chris at CKid206. We'll catch you guys next time. On that note, we're out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.